0: started to shouting and yelling, fire, fire. Flames damage in North Vancouver housing complex. Dozens of people are homeless. And I've seen
1: closures before, but I've seen closures that have been
0: reasonable, not a closure like this. Murky future, why fishing guides are bracing for a tough summer. Plus, witnesses say it was a miracle anyone escaped. A plane makes a fiery landing in Russia. Good evening. Thanks for joining us this Sunday. One person has survived a plane crash in northeastern B.C. this weekend. An accident that claimed three other lives. A Cessna 182 with four people on board went down yesterday morning. The wreckage was found in a remote area about 100 kilometers northeast of Smithers. A team with the Joint Rescue Coordination Center was deployed and today the B.C. Coroner's service revealed the pilot and two passengers were killed. One person was airlifted to hospital in Vancouver. That person's condition is not yet known. The RCMP and Transportation Safety Board are also investigating. Langara College's T building will reopen tomorrow after a string of disturbing incidents last month forced the evacuation of the campus. At least two floors of the Science and Technology building were heavily damaged after multiple fires were set back on April 1st. A 23-year-old man has been charged in connection with a suspicious fire and the discovery of a number of incendiary devices at the school. After about a month of repairs, the building will once again be open. The school plans a number of activities Monday for the reopening, including a traditional blessing. Voters in Nanaimo Ladysmith are going to the polls tomorrow, and it will be the third time those in Nanaimo have been asked to vote in eight months. Our cameras were able to catch up with four of the seven candidates running in Monday's federal by-election of Nanaimo Ladysmith as they canvassed for last-minute votes. This comes just six months before October's federal election. Voters will replace former New Democrat MP Sheila Malcolmson, who resigned in January in a successful run for the B.C. NDP in the provincial riding. Voters in the city also cast ballots in civic elections last fall. Our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now. So, Keith, how much will voter fatigue be a factor tomorrow?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting, unique situation to have so many elections so close together, uh, Jordan. But, uh, you know, traditionally, uh, turnouts in by-elections, both provincially and federally, are notoriously small samples, sometimes in the 20%. Uh, I expect, though, that tomorrow's vote might have a little higher than that. Given the national profile this race has, a lot of uh, people on the ground are expecting the turnout somewhere in the 40%. So we'll see uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Nevertheless, I want to remind people just why this election is so close, potentially, because it was pretty close last time. Look at the results. Almost a four-way split with the NDP. Sheila Malcolmson narrowly, actually not narrowly, but uh, not with a huge uh, plurality, just 33.2%. That's one of the lowest winning percentages of any candidate in the last election. Uh, The Liberals and Conservatives in a dead heat for second and third. And the Greens, because Vancouver Island is a traditional area of green support and strength, uh, finished a respectable fourth there. So that's the results from 2015. We'll see if they mirror those uh, come tomorrow night. So Keith, does one party have more to
0: lose than the others?
2: Well, I think, first of all, Liberals and Conservatives uh, haven't won that riding, uh, didn't come close to winning that last election in 2015. So uh, if they win, it's a big bonus for them. But for the NDP and the Greens, it's a different story. The NDP needs to hold this seat to show they remain competitive in British Columbia, and uh, the pressure's on them to hold that seat. But the Greens uh, have really set the expectations bar very high here. They're telling people they're going to win. In fact, they're shopping around a, a poll that claims they've got a 12-point lead, uh, that which is an enormous lead in a riding like that. So the Greens have set the are both high in Nanaimo, but uh, nationally as well. After that uh, good showing in Prince Edward Island, they're getting lots of positive coverage, suggesting there's going to be a green breakthrough. If there is not one tomorrow, that's going to be a huge setback for the Greens because if they can't win on Vancouver Island, it's hard-pressed to say where they're going to win elsewhere. All right, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Keith.
0: And we will have live coverage of the Nanaimo Ladysmith by-election. Tune in to BC1 tomorrow night starting at 8.30. Keith will be a big part of that coverage. We'll have the results as they come in and reaction from Nanaimo. It was a frightening early morning wake-up call for dozens of people in a North Vancouver apartment complex. Flames broke out in their building, forcing everyone out of their homes. Grace Key has more.
3: The fire started on a third-floor balcony of this North Vancouver complex, and residents say they woke up to people screaming outside.
2: At 4:30 in the morning, uh, one of the neighbors started to shouting and yelling, "Fire! Fire!" It was, uh, looked intense in the attic; like you could see the fire in the attic. We're on the second floor, and we were about four units down. So we could smell, we could smell it and see it from our balcony.
3: At one point, residents started going door to door to make sure everyone, especially the elderly, got out okay.
2: We uh, opened all the doors uh, to through the entrance inside the apartments, and we went every door by door, knocking on the doors and shouting and make sure everybody's getting get out safely.
3: The call came in shortly before 5 in the morning at the Avondale Complex on St. Andrews Avenue near Lionsgate Hospital. When firefighters arrived, they found heavy fire on a deck with flames hitting the roof. It's believed a cigarette may have started the blaze.
4: There was a report of uh, an ashtray in the area and stuff, so the investigators are still on scene. And that's our, our main focus at this point here. So the safe discard of any cigarettes. We always you know, tell people that you know putting it into planters or into... Um, overfilled um, ashtrays is, is not a safe practice and th- this is a perfect example of of, of what can uh, play out from that.
3: Residents returned to the complex throughout the day with firefighters going into units to retrieve some essential items. Everyone was able to get out safely and the fire was contained to two units but there is extensive water damage. The building is about 10 years old.
4: The building code at the time didn't require uh, patio sprinklers which all the buildings now that are being built um, do have that extra protection, as well as, in some cases, um, sprinkler protection in the attic space.
3: Residents are expected to be displaced for several months. Grace Key, Global News.
0: That close call between two cruise ships at Canada Place on Saturday was caught on camera. Check this out. While docking stern to stern early yesterday morning, the Oosterdam and the New Amsterdam collided. No one was hurt, and both ships sustained minor damage. Holland America, which owns both vessels, said they carried on with their itineraries without delay. It has now been several weeks into a controversial closure of the Chinook sport fishery in South Coast waters, and charter fishing operators say it is taking a terrible toll and
5: threatening their livelihoods. Paul Johnson reports. B.C.'s mighty Chinook salmon. Of the five salmon species, they're the largest, and many say the tastiest. No surprise, Americans call it the king salmon. People come from all over the world to come here to catch Chinook salmon. But last month, the guiding and charter business on the south coast was dealt a severe blow. Out of concern for the health of the species, DFO says you can only do catch and release and you can't keep a single Chinook. He's essentially closed
1: 95% of the fishing areas where anglers go.
5: Sport fish enthusiast Dave Brown thinks the closure is a case of political overreach, that the amount sport anglers have been taking is small and sustainable. We're talking about
0: 1%, less than 1% of the stocks of concern, where we have many Chinook stocks that
1: are in our waters right now that are doing really well
5: marinas around metro vancouver have been home to between 40 and 50 small charter operations all of them say the biggest draw, by far is chinook salmon two of them already have told me they're going out of business
1: beautiful day out in the water on a normal year all of these boats would be gone
5: with bookings already off between 50 and 70 percent in some cases Stakeholders say the loss of the Chinook as a fish you can take home to eat is probably an existential threat to their business. It'll be a wasteland.
1: It'll be a ghost town for charter boats in Vancouver.
5: In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News.
0: A Calgary man ticketed for following someone through the SkyTrain fair gates after his compass ticket would not tap them open. Says he's willing to fly to B.C. to fight the fine in court. Surveillance footage from Stadium Station shows Carl Luso Wavana Nunu tapping his compass ticket twice last September but the fair gates don't move he followed his friend through and was handed a one hundred seventy three dollar ticket for illegally going through an open fair gate he appealed to transit police providing a bank statement proving he paid for his fare. but after an objective review the force won't cancel his ticket saying it respects the authority and discretion of the officer involved nunu has appealed for an adjournment if it's not granted he says he'll spend upwards of seven hundred dollars to fly to vancouver for his court date. I wanna fight because it's no right, right? Because, you know,
1: I know the, 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 the law was made, you know, to uh, pretty much um, find people who don't have a valid ticket, right? Because the only reason someone would, you know, follow through the gate or, you know, trying to jump the gate, it's only when they don't have a valid ticket.
0: More controversy tonight over the federally approved roadside test for cannabis impairment. Several police forces are avoiding use of the Drager Drug Test 5000. And as Kristen Robinson reports, a lower mainland law firm recently tested its accuracy with some startling results.
6: Drinking a cup of tea may not be as innocent as it appears to be. This is incredibly concerning. Criminal lawyer Kyla Lee talking about the results of two days of testing. Using the Drager Drug Test 5000, the only federally approved roadside testing device for cannabis impairment. After a cup of coca tea made from the same plant, cocaine comes from Lee's colleague Paul Doroshenko testing positive for cocaine. People who are interested in tea culture are now at risk of producing positive cocaine test results if they're found driving their vehicles. So just drinking a glass of coca tea, which you can buy in many stores, including Granville Island and places like that, could lead you to a criminal record for a cocaine-impaired driving incident. Consuming poppy seed cake netted a positive test for opioids, and someone who had never used cannabis before tried a small amount of CBD, a non-impairing cannabinoid used to treat pain, and tested positive for cannabis. It was still detectable in the saliva, even though it wasn't impairing anybody in any way. Vancouver police have taken a pass on the Drager. Abbotsford police have acquired one device, but it hasn't been deployed. The department running its own tests, which have not yielded any questionable data. We have to put more effort in this country into finding a device that's capable of differentiating between something that's impairing a person and something that's merely present in their system as a result of an innocent course of conduct. For now, when it comes to poppy seeds and tea, it's driver beware. Indulge at your own risk. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
5: Color party. I Carry yes. colors.
0: A somber ceremony in North Vancouver this morning as veterans and current members of Canada's military marked the 74th anniversary of the end of the Battle of the Atlantic. Men and women from the Royal Canadian Navy, the Canadian Merchant Navy, and the Royal Canadian Air Force fought in the campaign, which lasted from 1939 to May 1945. The Battle of the Atlantic was Canada's longest engagement during the Second World War, but it came at a high cost, 4,600 deaths.
7: Huge sacrifices in order to stand up for Canadian values. So in that way, we're commemorating them, but we're also celebrating that victory for Canada. I think it's extremely important to remember it in that it wasn't that long ago, a few generations ago that this took place, and that's been fundamental to allowing us to have freedom in this beautiful country, and so we need to remember the sacrifices that were made as a result.
0: It may only be early May, but we're already seeing extremely dry conditions in parts of B.C. Langford Fired Res- Fire Rescue posting about two human-caused fires in the region this weekend. They determined one of them yesterday was caused by a cigarette in a garden bed. Today, there was a fire behind a local high school that was quickly put out. These days, there is more pressure on local fire departments to step up if provincial wildfire resources are strained. So today, hundreds of local firefighters gathered in Penticton for a training exercise. And Shelby Tom has more.
5: It was a scare.
7: Mark Hubbard is all too familiar with living through a catastrophic wildfire. In the early 90s, the Garnett Fire consumed 5,500 hectares of land east of Penticton. 18 homes were lost, but he was lucky.
2: You can see where the whole fire went through.
7: The damage was more severe because the fire broke out in an interface area. We're
1: using bigger fire hose, bigger, bigger hose line when we have a lot more
4: structures to protect.
7: That's why Hubbard is allowing municipal firefighters alongside the BC Wildfire Service to use his property for structural protection training exercises. It's part of the second annual Wildland Urban Interface Wildfire Training Symposium hosted by the Penticton Fire Department. Upwards of 200 city firefighters from 26 jurisdictions across the province are honing their wildfire fighting skills like Wes Agro.
1: With BC Wildfire Service, with their uh, uh, resources getting stretched thin, we probably will be called on to uh, uh, respond more often.
7: Water bombers assist from the sky as ground crews learn how to tackle the burn on foot. Crews are using drip torches to lay prescribed burns on the forest floor so firefighters can practice building guard and removing fuel around the base of that fire to create a line of containment.
1: The local fire department is typically always going to be the first on scene. They're the closest resource.
7: Homeowners like Hubbard agree the cross-training is critical with another potentially destructive fire season just around the corner. Oh, it's not going to get better in this climate change, it's going to get worse, hotter, drier, more fires. Shelby Tom, Global News.
0: Tens of thousands of runners once again taking over the streets of Vancouver today for the annual BMO Marathon. More than 18,000 were registered to run the marathon, half marathon, relay, and 8K road races. That started at Queen Elizabeth Park through Stanley Park before finishing in the downtown core. Two runners from Japan, Yuki Kawauchi and Yuko Mizuguchi, won the men's and women's titles, respectively. Many top marathoners used the event to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Hours before the start of the BMO Marathon, a team of ambassadors kicked off a cross-country run to prove spinal cord injuries can't hold people back. The group calling themselves Team Coast to Coast left Gastown at about four o'clock this morning. They plan to log 5,550 kilometers all the way to the east coast of Canada in a series of app runs. Proceeds from the Wings for Life World Run will benefit spinal cord research. Many of those taking part have been personally affected by a spinal cord injury.
1: January 6, 2017 was uh, when my injury actually happened. And um, so I, I was a quadriplegic for most of that year you know uh, you know coming out of paralysis is not a black and white thing so it it takes quite a bit of time a lot of a lot of hard work um, a lot of amazing people and a lot of gratitude I had a spinal cord injury just over five and a half years ago and they told me I'd never walk again and so I set a big goal to try to come back and run in the Wings for Life World Run and this year
2: Is my fifth year running in the race, and every year it comes around. It's like such a massive goal for me to work towards, and I am so grateful to be able to run for those who can't.
0: Paralympic sit skier Josh Dewick is set to join the Vernon leg of the run. And in Calgary, humbled Broncos bus crash survivor Ryan Strasnitsky plans to join. The Vancouver Public Library is getting in on the popularity of Game of Thrones. The VPL tweeting this video saying, as a shout out to our girl Arya, we've changed up our shelving techniques. For those who aren't fans of the HBO series, Arya Stark is a trained assassin. Her signature trick, switching the hand her sword is in. Spoiler alert, she did it again in the last episode, but we won't tell you what happens. Vaughn and Barry join us now. That looks like fun. And uh, we mentioned it was the marathon day, and a couple of people in our newsroom did the marathon, mm. and they were happy that there was a bit of a breeze this morning.
8: <laughs> yes. Windy, especially if you're by the water, but dry conditions, which is nice, so very pleasant for anybody who was out and about today and cheering those on for the marathon. So, a glance now, we've been advertising a change on the way. Temperatures are going to bump up, but still quite windy. Today, we had sustained winds just over 30 out of the airport with gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. It'll remain windy and through the morning tomorrow and throughout much of the day. So we will still see some sunshine, windy conditions if you're out and about. And the temperatures, the big weather story. How warm will it be? I'll have that coming up very shortly.
1: All right, sounds good. And what's coming up in sports? Uh a little NBA basketball. The Raptors kind of in a didn't really have to win, but in order to advance, I think they needed this one. Down two to one to Philadelphia. Game four on the road hostile environment. That's why you have Kawhi Leonard, I think, up there with uh, Kevin Durant as really the two most dominant players in the NBA playoffs so far. And he was uh, money again when he had to be. So big highlights of that uh, coming up. And we're going to have a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs second round as well. Blues and uh, Stars needing to go the distance. We'll have highlights of Game 6 of that.
0: All right, we'll see you guys in a bit. Thanks. At least 41 people were killed in Russia today when an Aeroflot passenger jet made a hard emergency landing and burst into flames at a Moscow airport. The terrifying scene was caught on camera.
7: Tonight, a Russian passenger plane became a fireball. Flames consumed the back half as survivors escaped on inflatable slides, fleeing the burning wreckage on foot. The Russian-built Sukhoi Superjet was operated by Aeroflot and took off from Moscow Sunday night, en route to the northern city of Murmansk. Russia's Interfax news agency reported the pilots issued a distress call immediately after takeoff, and the plane circled back 30 minutes later for an emergency landing. While it's too soon for a cause, aviation experts say this video will surely provide crucial clues.
5: You're not just seeing a little fire in one localized area on the airframe. You're seeing a trail of heavy, thick flame and smoke, and that could only be from a breach in the fuel system. For
7: survivors, a harrowing ordeal and nothing short of a miracle. Sarah Harmon, NBC
0: News. We now know everyone on board a jet that ran off a runway and into a river in Florida survived, but sadly their pets did not. Aerial footage, which shows the plane, uh, aerial footage rather, shows the plane which hit rough weather in shallow water but not submerged. The pets were placed in the bottom portion of the plane that went underwater. A team of investigators is still trying to determine the cause of the incident. The plane carried 136 passengers and seven crew members from a military base in Cuba. Special counsel Robert Mueller has been offered a tentative date to testify before Congress about his investigation into Russian meddling during the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The Democrat-controlled House Judiciary Committee would like Mueller to appear on May 15th, although that date has not been finalized. The report released last month could not prove there was collusion between Russia and members of the Trump campaign, but it did not exonerate the American president from allegations of obstruction of justice. Today, Donald Trump weighed in, tweeting Bob Mueller should not testify and that there should be no redos for the Democrats. A lot of questions tonight about the historic reversal at the Kentucky Derby. For the first time in the race's history, the horse that finished in first place was disqualified. NBC's Ron Mott now on the controversial call.
5: Maximum security wins the Kentucky Derby!
4: The run for the Roses turned thorny moments after maximum security crossed the wire ahead of 18 other horses in the biggest race of the year, where jockeying for position is common in a field this large.
5: There is an objection that has been posted on the board.
4: After a delay of more than 20 minutes, racing stewards disqualified the apparent winner. For interference, you can see it right there for the first time in 145 Kentucky Derbies. The crowd shocked. Those horses were all affected, we thought, by the
6: interference. Uh, Therefore, we unanimously determined to disqualify number seven.
4: That meant a 65-to-1 long shot country house claimed top prize of almost $2 million, returning handsome payouts to anyone daring to bet on it. It's bittersweet. Uh, I'd be lying if I said it was any different. But Maximum Security's co-owner called it the most egregious disqualification in the history of horse racing. Even the president tweeting, only in these days of political correctness could such an overturn occur. It's not the kind of feel-good story the Derby usually produces. and comes as the sport deals with sagging popularity and nearly two dozen horse fatalities at a California track this winter.
8: Yeah, it's not the best timing for horse racing right now to have that happen, but it is the safest thing for the horses and for the jockeys to try to make sure that the, the riders know that they have to maintain a straight course no matter the quality of the race.
4: Today, fans touring the stables largely agreed with the stewards. I have no regrets on how they call it? I think they did the right thing. I had money
3: bet on uh, maximum security, so <laughs> I was a little bit upset.
4: Guinness
0: World Records is taking a lot of heat for denying a marathon-running nurse a record because she didn't compete in a skirt nurse jessica anderson ran last weekend's london marathon in three hours eight minutes and twenty two seconds in her medical scrubs with trousers it is a half minute faster than the existing marathon record for a woman in a nurse's uniform but anderson says she was told her scrubs did not meet guinness's rules for a nurse's uniform which is a blue or white dress apron and a cap she told runners world magazine the rules reinforced old gender stereotypes Guinness says it will review its rules, saying it's quite clear that this record title is long overdue a review. Before we get to Avon in the forecast, we have reason to brag about our weather on the west coast this weekend, especially compared to southern Alberta. This was the scene yesterday in Calgary as snow fell early in the day. There were numerous crashes in and around the city leading to some partial road closures. But the chilly temperatures didn't deter some. A group of soccer players still kicked off their game in the afternoon. Temperatures in the region at this time of year are usually around 15 degrees.
8: It's okay.
5: I don't mind it. No? No. I was born and raised here, so I'm used to it. My opinion
4: on the snow is the snow could stop any time now. I think seven or eight months of winter is just about enough.
0: Oh, what a difference from here,
8: Yvonne. (laughs) Beach
0: days in our forecast.
8: Absolutely. It's uh, the sunshine and temperatures are going to be warming up, especially looking ahead towards mid and the end of the week. I'll show you more of those numbers in just a moment. Beautiful shot right now, what it looks like out there. Still quite windy, though, if you're by the water. It's a northwesterly wind. It's sustained out of the airport at 22 kilometers per hour In a few spots across the island, also seeing those winds. So temperatures today got up to 16 inland, up to 19 degrees. We'll see that number bump up. Not quite record breaking though. 23 degrees is set back on this day in 1990. A few other numbers. The Soyuz today up to 24 degrees. Tomorrow up to 26. Central section regions with Prince George up to 14 and areas near Victoria today climbing up to 18 degrees. Once again, the winds if you're by the water, it'll continue to be quite breezy overnight and through the day tomorrow and then it should start to dissipate especially in towards our Tuesday, Wednesday. Here's what it looks like on the satellite and radar. So we are going to see a nice clearing right across the south coast but there is a blip in the forecast it's for the central and southern interior we are going to still see an increase in cloud cover for tomorrow and even a chance of showers it remains unsettled right across the north coast we'll see that for tomorrow through the day it's still a chance of showers by the afternoon there's more cloud cover across the interior and we are looking at a chance of showers for the afternoon and evening and pushing into the southeastern corner so a heads up tomorrow will be the blip in the forecast and then it rebounds we will see plenty of sunshine over the next little while and it'll be for your Tuesday onwards and temperatures warming up. It's all courtesy of a ridge that's been offshore. It'll start to build. It'll strengthen midweek and towards the end of the week. Some of the warmest temperatures even pushing in towards the interior and for Metro Vancouver. We could see that range in temperatures with areas away from the water up to 25 or even 26 degrees. It'll be closer to the water that will be hovering into the low 20s, but that's still above the average. A reminder, the fire danger rating is at high for a few areas that are indicated in the orange and moderate. So careful if you're out and about and also with your cigarette butts. Here's what we are looking at uh, for the northeastern corner. So it has eased off in terms of the light snowfall that we've been seeing through the day. Tomorrow, eight degrees and a southeasterly wind up to 20 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse, Pleasant, but a southerly wind up to 30. Unsettled across the north coast with just a slight chance to see a shower. Temperatures will be bumping up to 11. Caribou and in central interior, a bright start or dry start with some fog and then that increase in cloud cover. And that pushes into the southeastern corners. The Thompson Okanagan where we'll see more sunshine for the morning. Increase in cloud cover and a chance of showers will be by the evening. Areas near Cologne up to 22 degrees as your high. Whistler up to 22. Sunny and dry Tuesday Wednesday. Wednesday. Wednesday onwards, and along the island, we'll see that range in temperatures closer to the water, sitting at 16 degrees. Metro Vancouver, it'll be windy once again near the water through the day tomorrow. We've got a few clouds in the mix, especially for the morning hours. Tuesday onwards, long-range forecast over the next seven days. The trend is sunshine and temperatures warming up. Jordan?
0: Looks pretty good. Thanks, Yvonne. It is hard to believe, but Science World is celebrating its 30th birthday this week. Back in May 1989, Expo Center transformed into Science World, featuring numerous interactive exhibits to have fun and learn about all aspects of science. At the time, more than $19 million, around $37 million in today's dollars, was spent to renovate and expand the 10,000-square-meter structure. Tomorrow, there will be a celebration marking the milestone anniversary, including an attempt by Science World staff to complete 30 science experiments in only five minutes. Big day for Canadian basketball fans.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in uh, Toronto, they lost their Leafs uh, a couple yes. weeks ago, so uh, Raptors get well, lots they of attention. They, 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 I think I always figured the Raptors had a better chance to go yeah. deep this year than, uh, than the Leafs, that's for sure, and uh, they still have a chance, that's for sure. Thanks very much, uh, Jordan. The Raptors' season was pretty much on the line today in Philadelphia, trailing the 76ers 2-1 in their series. The Raps really needed to win or face the near-impossible task of coming back from a 3 one deficit so far in the series Kawhi Leonard's been a one-man band averaging 37 points per game but he needed some help today for Toronto to get back in the series Kyle Lowry Philly kid needed to dig deep today and he did first quarter Lowry showing his aggressiveness hits the three ball in transition that's a good sign then on the run Lowry to Serge Ibaka for the jam 24-21 Raptors after the first second quarter Kawhi leonard going to work as he will drive and jam this one down 41 34 raptors sixers have been trouble on the offensive glass for toronto jimmy butler hauls one in then hits the shot back to Kawhi, pretty much impossible to stop 17 points 10 rebounds at the half toronto led 47 45 third quarter more from jimmy butler who will stop and pop right here. Led Philly with 29. Sixers built up a six-point lead. Raptors respond, though. Kyle Lowry with fake the three, and then great feed to Pascal Siakam, who jams it in his first field goal of the game. Of course, Siakam was doubtful with a uh, calf bruise, but he did play. Joel Embiid at 33 the other day was playing with some sort of a virus today, did not have good energy, only had 11 points. Philly, though, led by two, but Kawhi... Answers, left alone at the uh, arc, drills the three, 31 points after three, tied at 75, and then Pascal Siakam to start the fourth, ties it at 81, and more support scoring, which was key. They got none of it in games two and three, but Mark Gasol buries the three, 16 big points for Gasol, who played his best game of the series. This one goes down to the wire in the clutch. Who are you going to call? Kawhi, of course jumper makes it a four-point lead and now a one-point game shot clock winding down and Kawhi leonard with ice in his veins drills the three 39 points to lead the way this guy just delivers and the raptors do what they really haven't done in past playoffs win a clutch game on the road series now tied at two game five in toronto on tuesday meanwhile in the west Denver and Portland game four coming off that epic four overtime game on Friday won by the Trailblazers Canadian Jamal Murray really playing well in the playoffs he played 55 grueling minutes the other night hits the floater two of his 17 first half points but Seth Curry the younger brother of Steph Curry hits the three at the buzzer to end the half 16 points off the bench for him Portland by six but in the third quarter Denver big man Nikola Jokic who played 60 minutes in game three drives and hits Denver by 7. More from Jamal Murray. The deep 3. He had 34 points to lead all scorers. Denver led by 6. And then Jokic, the 7-footer, a great pass to Gary Harris for the basket and the foul. Jokic uh, hurt his knee on the play, left the game, did come back. Denver hit their free throws down the stretch. They win it by 4. That series now tied 2-2. Well, reports out of Edmonton say the Oilers are ready to hire Ken Holland as their new general manager. Holland spent the past 22 seasons as the GM in Detroit, but recently handed that job off to Steve Eiserman to become the team's senior vice president. Holland, who is from Vernon, reportedly assigned a five-year, $25 million contract to try to solve the puzzle that is the Oilers. Despite having Connor McDavid, they have missed the playoffs the last two seasons. Stanley Cup playoffs today. Yeah. Dallas Stars, a chance to go to the conference finals with a home ice win in Game 6 against the Blues, but the Blues get the start they need. Just a minute in, Alex Petrangelo with the screenshot past Ben Bishop, and it's one nothing. St. Louis. Stars get it back on the power play. Matt Sucarello to Tyler Sagan. His quick release just gets through the pads of Jordan Binnington. 1-1 after one, stays tied until under five Base minutes to go there, in the Vince second. Oscar Sundquist, nice pass That's to find David Perron, who will fire past Bishop, 2-1 Oscar Blues Sunquist. 2-1 Sunquist. after two. Third period, a bizarre play. Colton Pareco winds up and fires a rocket off the shoulder of Bishop, who goes down. That hurt, but the play continues, and Jaden Schwartz scores with Bishop writhing in pain on the ice. The goal stands. Bishop did stay in the game for a bit, would later leave. The Stars did not argue the goal call. 33 seconds later, Sammy Blay with his first career playoff goal. And the Blues live to play another day. They win it 4-1 and force Game 7 back in St. Louis on Tuesday night. Vancouver Giants are back home after splitting the first two games of the Western Hockey League Finals in Prince Albert. Games 3, 4, and 5 will be played at the Langley Event Center. Game 3 goes Tuesday at 7. The Giants are 7-1 on home ice so far in these playoffs. Thanks and let's take a look Kosey. back at Game 6 of the, the Doyle Cup from Prince George Ohio. last night. Spruce Kings with Kosey. a chance K-Man to win K-Man's the K-Man's trophy. Waiting, they trailed Brooks, Alberta 2-1 after two, but a beautiful pass play there, finished by Ben Barr, tied it at two. And then they take the lead as Chong Min Lee goes to the net and converts. That was the game winner. They had an empty netter to win the game 4-2, take the series in six. They're the Doyle Cup champs. They head to Brooks for the RBC Cup National Junior A Tournament, which begins next weekend. Welcome back. Canadian tennis has never been stronger. As of today, Canada has three men ranked in the top 30 in the world. Milos Raonic at 16, Dennis Shapovalov is number 20, Felix Oje-Aliassim is at number 30. The amazing thing about Dennis and Felix, their age. Dennis just turned 20 last month, Felix is still 18, yet they have beaten a lot of the top 10 players this year already. Today, the two good friends met in the opening round on the Red Clay at the Madrid Open in Spain. They've only met once before at last year's U.S. Open when Felix had to retire mid-match with a racing heartbeat due to the heat and humidity. Both of them wearing matching outfits. Today, Felix got the early jump. First set, using his athleticism, will rip the short ball for the winner. Took the opening set 6-2. Second set, more from Felix. Hits the inside-out forehand winner. And just inside the baseline, loves playing on the clay. Felix spent a lot of time on the uh, European clay about a year ago to get ready for the uh, main tour. Dennis showing his skill, loads up the forehand, winner from the baseline. Second set went to a tie break, more great tennis. Felix at the net, great volley there, sets up. The uh, overhead smash, and he wins it in straight set 6-2-7-6. On to the next round, where he gets to meet Rafael Nadal. Not sure if that's a prize or not. Blue Jays in Texas, rubber game of a three-game series. Toronto down 3-0 in the third, but Eric Sogard with a solo homer to right makes it 3-1. But Clay Buchholz did not have a good day on the mound for Toronto. Gave up seven runs over four innings. Estrubal Cabrera with a three-run shot. 10-2 Rangers win. Vladdy Guerrero Jr., by the way, 0-4 for four today. His average just 167. English premiership. Chelsea trying to lock up a top-four Champions League berth, hosting Watford at Stamford Bridge. After a somewhat stale opening half, Chelsea spring to life in the second. Eden Hazard into the box for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. 1-0 Blues. Two minutes later, another set play. Another Hazard delivery. This time it's David Luiz uh, converting the header. Chelsea up 2-0. And then some insurance. Gonzalo Higuain showing his quality. Chips it over the keeper while on the move. Chelsea win 3-0. They clinch third in the Premiership. And therefore, they are guaranteed a Champions League berth next season. Arsenal, another side trying to find its way into the top four. Gunners taking on Brighton. A win. Arsenal moves within a point of Spurs for fourth. All about the penalties today. Bit of a questionable call there, but Obamayang steps up and thumps it home. Arsenal not questioning that. They'll take the penalty. It's 1-0, but Brighton also get a questionable call in their favor as Granite Xhaka chases after Solly March. Penalty awarded as well. Glenn Murray to the spot, and He will drive it in. 1-1 is how it ends, so Arsenal pretty much destined to finish fifth this year but could still qualify for Champions League if they win the Europa League, and they are in the semifinals right now in that competition. Man United running out of time, and it seems out of gas as they come to the conclusion of their season, trying to get into the top four, taking on last place Huddersfield, and Scott McTominay gives the United a lead 1-0. But in the 60th minute, Isaac Mbenza gets behind the United coverage and will find the back of the net so humiliation for United drawing with last place Huddersfield Town 1-1 the final as United's hopes of finishing the top four dash they can do no better than fifth they'll have to settle for Europa League football next season final round of the PGA's Wells Fargo championship from Quail Hollow in Charlotte North Carolina Max Homa who's really only played intermittently on the tour the last five years. Only three top tens in 68 career starts, but makes birdie. And then, ooh, a flash thunderstorm comes in. Halted play for about an hour when they resumed. Homa undaunted with a clutch par putt here on the 17th. They maintain a three-shot lead, and then at 18, another tester for par, but he will drain it to win by three shots. It's his first PGA Tour victory for Max Homa. Adam Hadwin finished 38th. Nick Taylor was 54th. There you go.
0: All right, you started with basketball. Well, Mm. we have one more story about basketball. Oh, we do. Check out this next competition where age is just a jersey number to these athletes. This is the granny basketball tournament (laughs) in Wisconsin, and there are some special rules. No running, no jumping, (laughs) and no body contact. The oldest player in this weekend's tournament is 87. Hello. Today is International Roller Derby Day, but a Vancouver league says they're in a jam because there just isn't enough room for wheeled sports in the city. Here's Tanya Beja.
5: Winnie the Pow!
9: They're tough, athletic, and passionate about roller derby.
8: You get to play with your friends and you get to make new friends. It makes me feel amazing, it makes you feel powerful. (laughs) But as good as the
9: sport makes them feel, these young skaters are struggling for a place to practice. All we need is a large enough flat surface that when it's raining, we're dry, <laughs> and we can stay, keep the kids safe. The ideal facility would be an arena, but most in the city are covered in ice. The Vancouver Junior Roller Derby League uses a smaller gym at the Mount Pleasant Community Center for part of the year and Trout Lake's regulation size arena for less than two months. Part of the joy of this game is competing with other teams and And what we want to be able to do is host teams to come and do great events. But we can only do that in Trout Lake in this little tiny window.
0: And we're up for the next
9: one. The lack of space means the league can't grow. And adults are quitting the sport rather than driving farther into the suburbs to play. We've seen a huge amount of attrition in the adult league because... Every year we have to travel about an hour in each direction to do the thing that we love. So on International Roller Derby Day, skaters are calling on the city and Vancouver's park board to consider their plea.
1: I'm absolutely committed to trying to figure out a way where these guys can have a space that they can call their own, they can build their sport, they can start promoting it properly.
0: There are opportunities for us to look at our future
5: capital plans and maybe see if that's something that we can add into a facility as we're moving forward, and I think
8: talking about it is the first step.
9: How do you feel when you're playing? And skating. I feel free. And that's why these young skaters say they won't give up. Tanya Beja, Global News.
0: We were okay. saying off air, we all remember Stardust in Surrey.
1: Yes. But sadly, that's long gone. A long, a long, long time ago. <laughs> way before your time.
5: I so would there, viewers, believe it or not. <laughs>
1: Uh, back in the day, Canada used to have a roller derby team with Skinny Minnie Miller and Paul the Bear Rupert. <laughs> now, this is from when I was like seven or eight. So I'm not sure if anyone remembers oh A wealth of that. knowledge. It was very exciting to watch. I loved it. Tell us more at 11. I okay. will. I'll All tell you right. stories around the fire. <laughs> we'll see you then. Good night. <laughs>